UpToDate wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. I don't get back with him because I'm weak. I really don't. It's like I I just date someone new and then I look back at him and I realize, oh, he was the best I can do. Like, I can't get better. He was so hot, so hot, short. That's how I got him. He's short. That's my little secret, ladies. You can get such a hot guy if he's short, like on discount, okay? Like, (laughs) so smart. And if you're sitting in a picture with him, people don't know. They're just like, whoa, Glazer's batting out of her league. Like, and then you, (laughs) yeah, thank you. Eventually they know though, because there's a picture of where you're standing next to him and they're like, oh, someone went digging in the bargain bin. (laughs) That's a tiny guy. Oh, I am just, I'm so exhausted being single. It is so much upkeep. I have to wear makeup all the time, like during the day. I used to go out during the day in my 20s without makeup on and I was like, you know what? If I meet the man I'm meant to be with, he'll like see me for me. I'm 34 now and I'm like, wear your mask like every day is halloween for you trick or treat no trick a man into loving you or die alone stand-up comic podcaster and actress nikki glazer of st louis is one of the most successful women in comedy today with specials on netflix and hbo just to name a few Plus, she's a Missouri native and KU alum. Her comedy has been branded as shockingly honest and no holds barred, and we think that's a pretty accurate description. You can also catch her on the Nikki Glaser podcast. She's in town at the Uptown Theater on Saturday for the Good Girl Tour, and we're catching up with the comedian about work, life, and being from the Show Me State. Nikki, thanks so much for taking time with us today and for being on Up To Date. We sure appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. It's a pleasure. I I always feel so um, cool when I get asked to do an NPR thing. I just feel smarter instantly. (laughs) And so, yeah, get me on there. I'll try to talk more in my NPR tone throughout this interview. (laughs) We are coming here on the Good Girl Tour. There is a side of you that would probably not cause most people to think that you're a good girl. I'm not breaking any news to you there, I don't think. Yeah, I think that's what people don't really know about me if they kind of just know me from roasts and seen clips of my stand-up or see me in different things, they can assume that I'm pretty harsh and caustic and I like to offend people and I say shocking things, which are all true. Well, I don't like to offend people, but I do say shocking things. But at my core, I'm a really wholesome person. And um, just because I like to have sex and talk about having sex or because I like to talk about you know, the the sick thoughts I have or like the unwanted thoughts I have doesn't mean I'm not good. You know, I think just because mm-hmm. I'm not puritanical, I'm not maybe a good Christian girl, but I still think I could probably get into heaven if I if I believed in one. <laughs> I think I would still qualify. I'm a vegan. I love animals. I love people. I'm a good friend. I'm a good daughter. I I don't shoplift anymore. I uh, <laughs> I don't drink. I quit shoplifting when I was 19 and I got caught. I haven't done it since. Uh, gotten caught. But um, no, I, I um, yeah, I feel like, you know, just because the subject matter of what I talk about is risque and 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 I cuss and stuff like that, I don't think that words make people a bad person. I'm, I'm never trying to hurt anyone's feelings. I'm just trying to make us all talk about what is true. I was going to say, when you talk about sex, I guess you're trying to sort of channel 
what a lot of people are thinking sometimes, right? Yeah, I think it comes from a place of growing up and not really knowing anything about sex and being very scared of it. Mm. And I was a really late bloomer and I felt like everyone understood something that I didn't. And I just, and I, and I wanted to just know what happened. I was really scared of it. And, um, and there was nowhere to turn to for actual honest advice on what it looked like or what it was supposed to be like. And so I think I found that void when I started doing stand up and wanted to be that voice for a girl like me in high school mm. who was like, what am I getting myself into? And so and I'm just drawn to subject matter that seems blatantly obvious that everyone wants to talk about it, but no one can because of some unspoken rule. So the things I'm drawn to are are certainly taboo subjects, but it's not because they're taboo. It's because I just I think it's really harmful if you don't talk about things. And, um, you know, if it's mentionable, it's manageable. And I've learned that through the years that when I try to not talk about something, it festers away in me and, and breeds a lot of bad habits. So if you can be honest about the things you think and the things you're drawn to and the things you're scared of, I think it just, it makes for a better life. And so I kind of talk that way on stage to entertain, but also to set an example, like maybe you can go there in your own Mm -hmm. head. Maybe you can start having these kinds of conversations because we all carry so much shame around with us about the things we think and the things we we do in private and we really shouldn't because we're all kind of doing them for the most part the things we are mostly shame shameful about are really universal things and i've learned that from saying these same shameful things on stage and getting laughter as feedback not laughter at me but that laughter that feels so good that's like oh my gosh i do that too and then suddenly i'm like whoa i'm not alone and believe me, I've said things on stage where no one laughs and they're like, no, girl, that's you. And you you learn which things are are, are just a you thing, which things are are not. And um, and now my act, if you come see me on Saturday night at the Uptown Theater, it's evolved away from sex because I'm less interested in it. I've explored everything I kind of want to uh, talk about and um, and I'm aging. And so my hormones, I'm not as horny anymore. So I'm not like as drawn to the subject matter. <laughs> well, you grew up in Kirkwood, a suburb of St. Louis. Was that a good place to grow up, Nikki? Yeah, it really was. I had such great friends and just a, a good community, great schools. It was just, I had a great childhood. I, I'm constantly trying to recreate it in some way and, and keep living like like I the way it was back then when there were no, I just felt no worries, no anxieties, mm. no no pressure. It, you know, I, I think that's why I still kind of... um am a, a little bit of a arrested development. Like I, I've gone off on my own too and lived in Los Angeles and New York for, you know, the first 15 years out of high school. I was out there doing that. And then COVID hit and I moved back home to St. Louis and I haven't left. I really love my family and I love where I come from. I love, I love Missouri. I love the Midwest. And so I'm, I'm here against all odds and no one in LA really knows I'm here and no one in New York knows I'm here. They both think I'm in uh, the other city. Yeah. And so when I go, because <laughs> there is a stigma when you move back home that you've given up somehow. My career's only gotten better since I, I've moved back. I've been able to focus on the career when I need to, but it's not my, it's not everything to mm-hmm. me. I, I'm able to have some sense of normalcy. Hey, how big of an adjustment was it for you to move back to the heartland after so many years on the coast? It was an adjustment because there's just to make it in show business, you have to try so hard all the time. You have to be out every single night. You have to be um, networking and going to shows and writing. And it's just, it was exhausting. And I really was at a burnout stage when COVID hit. I was 
I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I couldn't keep it up anymore. I was too exhausted. And so when COVID hit, I, it was such a relief to me. And then when things picked back up, I was still in St. Louis waiting, waiting COVID out. And I was like, I think I can actually make this work from here. It was, it was an adjustment, but you know, when it's not in your face to go out to a club every night and perform, I can kind of not be so obsessed with it. And I think that I think that when it's there, I become a workaholic. So mm. when I go to L.A. and New York, I'm exhausted for those four or five days I go in, right. um, you know, once a month. I, it's I work myself to the bone and then I come back here and I can like it was novel to me that you would have dinner and then just sit down and watch TV until you went to bed <laughs> or like just have a chill night. I would work all day on whatever I was doing. And then I would go out to the clubs and have to do material. And because there's always a show going on in New York City, there's always a set mm -hmm. that you can get in L.A. And it's it's like going to the gym. So you're you can constantly be training. And, and here there's just one club and I don't really feel like going there most nights. So I don't. Yeah. And it's great. We'll be right back. Well, it sounds like your upbringing in Kirkwood was pretty ideal. Was your experience over at KU going to school there just as ideal or, or was it something else? I went to Colorado my freshman year and I was struggling with an eating disorder there. I mm. was just didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. It was really expensive, too. So I decided to transfer to KU. It was closer to home. I just knew people there. My friends went to school there and I discovered comedy uh, right before I came to KU. Um, I discovered stand up and, and realized that's what I wanted to pursue. So as soon as I got to KU, I didn't I, I just wanted to get through school so I could become a stand up comedian. I knew that huh. was the goal now. And so my parents were like, just, you know, get get a degree to be to be safe. But I immediately just started going to Kansas City every night in Overland Park at right. the Stanford and Sons as much as I could to do the open mic. So I was kind of half in and half out of, of college. I, I really was just doing it to to make my parents feel happy and safe about my career. But I was really just couldn't wait to get out so I could um, do stand up full time. But oh. man, the Kansas City comedy scene was that's how that, that's what made me. That's really the foundation of who I am as a comic. Hey, how did the Kansas City scene help you and, and how collaborative was it? Did you make lots of comedic friends with your buddies here that who helped you on your way? Oh, yeah. I had such good friends. I, I was, you know, 20, I think, when I started going to the open mic at Sanford and Sons. And, you know, as a, a young, attractive-ish girl, like, you get a lot of attention from all these, like, you know, men in their 30s and 40s <laughs> who are running this open mic and going to this open mic. And so, but I was, you know, I had promised from the get-go. So whether or not they wanted to hang out with me because I was a, a chick was irrelevant because I... I I had something. I was getting noticed. I got written up in the Kansas City Star. I got to go on Johnny Dare. So you knew it. You really... knew you had something going early on. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have done it. I had never been good at anything in my life, like really good at something. I had a knack for anything in my life until this moment. And so as soon as I started doing stand up, I started getting that feedback of like, you're good at this. And it was the first time I heard that. I mean, I would have done I would have followed any career had wow. someone given me that kind of um, confidence. So as soon as I moved to Kansas City, I was getting attention from, you know, people would just come to open mics and I would get a manager from it. And then I would get booked at a college from it. And mind you, I only had like three minutes of material and a college was booking me to do an hour. Wow. So I was way in over my head very quickly. Yeah. Kansas city was where I, I had some great friends, Mike Baldwin, who's a local comic. That was my scene. Yeah. And then I got on last comic standing while I was going to school at KU and wow. I drove to Chicago to audition for that show with a van of, of Kansas City Comics. It was like nine of us in wow. a van. And we drove to Chicago and waited in the snow. And I was the only one that made it through. 
um so that was an awkward drive back but uh, <laughs> but they were all really happy for me they were so supportive you described yourself as an over sharer how yeah. come um, and where does that come well, from that you feel comfortable just talking about all that stuff stuff that's going through I your mind don't know i think it really is some I might be somewhat on the spectrum or something. I just, I don't have a filter for things that I don't have shame about. And so I don't know. I just, there's, there's no part of me that has to overcome something to share something about myself. That sounds really honest. healthy to me. It, it is, but it isn't. I mean, there's, I've learned throughout the years where to pull back and where to not reveal too much, but I think it is a good thing because I found that just being so open leads other people to be open with me. And maybe that's why I do it. I really am interested in people's internal lives. And so mm -hmm. when I hear a lot like, wow, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but, and then they, you know, tell me that they're getting divorced or whatever. I haven't told anyone this yet, but blah, blah, blah. And, um, and I get that a lot because I think I just set the stage for people to feel comfortable and in a space right. where I'm not judgmental of the own, my own shameful in quotes. What, what are some areas where so people aren't ashamed? What are some areas where you might have overshared that you think you don't do that now because it's too much? I think when I think sexually, there is a, a place where people just get squeamish and uncomfortable. And it it's I, I get that now. Like I never I never really thought about sharing about my sex life as being titillating at all. I wasn't trying to like make anyone turned on. And now I can realize that that's how some people can interpret it. And it really grosses me out to think of my, I don't like to sexualize, even though I talk graphically about my sex life. I mean, some people could look, listen to my specials and say, this is just audio porn, but I, I never really was trying to turn anyone on. And I think some people, it's just like, you just don't need to, to hear that. There's some things that it's not serving the purpose of educating anyone. And it's not really that funny. It's just mm. gross for the sake of being gross. And that's just, you know, that is a habit. I have to say it's a St. Louis style thing too, but there's a Midwest um, Kansas city, St. Louis comedy style of just being really gross, like doing gross jokes, which I love, but in these, these gritty comedy clubs, the funny bone in St. Louis, Stanford and sons in, in Kansas city, there was, we were all foul mouth. It was like, oh, I was finally the the one that was clutching my pearls. You know, like mm -hmm. it 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 really bred a certain type of comedian that was really um dark and talked a lot about sex really graphically. And I loved it, but I think that, yeah, there's a place for it and there's a reason to do it. Right. And so I think I think it's important to keep some things private and it makes them special. And I never really understood that. And now I think I do. You're getting older, Nikki. We all are. I think that's it. Yeah. I think that's it. That's oh, Nikki God. Glazier, stand-up comedian, actress, podcaster, and Missouri native. You can catch her this Saturday evening at the Uptown Theater when she'll be here in Kansas City and back what is sort of home for her again. Nikki, so good to have you on the show. Thanks for taking some time with us. I just want to say one extra thing. Yes. If you're thinking of coming bonus, to my this show is bonus this material. Weekend, Bonus. I just want to say um, my show is a safe place for people to go alone to. So I think that a lot of people miss out on going to fun things because they can't find a friend to who needs to get a babysitter or who has, you right. know, or people just don't have friends, you know, like it's hard to make friends. So I don't want those people to miss out. So I want you to know that if you come to my show, you might know me as like a roast comedian. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to like turn up the lights in the room and call people out and make fun of you if you get up to go to the bathroom. Like it's a it's a perfect show to go to if you are someone that has social anxiety because there's no chance, I promise you, that you will ever get called on or called out or you will ever feel awkward. And if you go alone, I will give you a free meet and greet. You can go to the merch booth after the show and just tell them you went alone. 
and they'll give you a meet and greet and you can meet me after the show. So after the show, cool. just say, I went alone and I have that kind of policy because I'll, I'll congratulate you on going alone. Cause I think it's awesome and, and cool of you to do it. So that's, yeah. So that's just my little pitch for anyone who might not have plans this weekend and uh, doesn't have friends or doesn't have available friends. Well, Nikki, so good to have you on the show and congratulations again on all your success. Thanks so much. You I bet. appreciate it. Good Steve. luck. Up to date is a production of KCUR 89.3. The program is produced by Zach Wilson, Elizabeth Ruiz, Claudia Brancart, and Hallie Jackson. Our intern is Lauren Texter. Paul Nakatura works our board. The theme music was composed by the great Bobby Watson. I'm Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening.